Welcome to Book Bistro, where book enthusiasts come to chat about the books they love in a warm and supportive environment. Today is Monday, November 21st, 2022. I'm Stacy, and I'm here tonight with Sarah, Kristen, Brooke, and Georgina. Our darling Shannon very graciously shared an episode with me, and so I am hosting the holiday episode, which to me is one of my most favorite, favorite episodes because we always get so many warm and lovely reads. So once we go through the housekeeping announcements, we will have um, Sarah start us off, followed by Kristen, and then Brooke, and then me, and then Georgina will finish us off. Well, no, she won't finish us off. She'll finish the the round. (laughs) (laughs) This isn't like some sort of like a mystery thriller episode here, whodunit. This is... So for this episode, which is the most wonderful time of the year for all of us sappy readers, I'm just so excited that I get the opportunity to present this episode once again. You can find us on Facebook by searching for the Book Bistro podcast. Once there, you can post to our timeline. You can also message us privately. If you want a more social interaction, you can join our Facebook listener group, which is pretty quiet at the moment, though we are looking at some ways of possibly revamping it. If Facebook is not your thing and you still would like to hang out with us, check us out on our WhatsApp group. You can subscribe to that either by messaging us through Facebook or by sending us an email and one of us will be happy to add you. If you're looking to get a hold of us via email, you can do that by contacting the Book Bistro Podcast at gmail.com. I'm so excited to talk about my first book. It's called The Plight Before Christmas by oh, Kate yes. Stewart. Yes, by Kate Stewart. And I have to say that Stacy told me to read it because I just want to give her the credit because. Thank you. Yeah, I I struggle sometimes because I love Christmas and holiday books, but they need to be a little less fluffy. And I just yes, wasn't sure. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> there has to be a little plot with the with the fa la 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 la. And this one did it for me. And please forgive me, I'm going to change the wording just a tiny bit, but this book sucked me in from the first line where the heroine is singing fa la 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 f my life. <laughs> So this is the story of Whitney and Whitney is having a rough end of the year experience. So she's been working very, very hard in her firm and she just lost out to a big promotion that was given to a coworker who is new, who's a youth pastor who did not put in the work that she did and got the promotion because of the good old boy network. So she's very upset about that. She also tripped on a crack in the sidewalk and broke her toe recently and broke up, broke up with her latest boyfriend. And so she's just not having a very good December. On top of that, she is going to have to go to her 
grandparents who are now deceased, but her family owns the cabin, which is nicer than a cabin, but her grandparents' cabin to celebrate Christmas with her sister and her brother and her parents and her nieces and her nephews. And she's just really not in the spirit this year. I mean, they're already talking smack all throughout her family. Her dad has the karaoke schedule, the holiday schedule, all these other schedules, the pick my favorite Christmas song, all these different things. And she's just not feeling it. So she goes to the cabin, which is not really a cabin because it's nicer. And she's trying to drive up this hilly mountainous driveway and her car dies. And so she's upset about that. And then she goes inside and realizes that her brother has brought her ex to the Christmas fa-la-la-la get-together. And week, her, week, Christmas week, not just yes, like a the whole week. Yes, the whole week. And her brother doesn't realize that Eli is Whitney's ex from college from 17 years ago. So now she's stuck in this cabin with all these like family joy, hippity, happy people having the hap, hap, happiest Christmas. And she's not <laughs> feeling it. And her ex is there and she thinks it's going to be horrible. But then all these things begin to happen. So, you know, her father has all these schedules and all these activities. And in every room, and I'm sorry, I have to spell this word because I have one. He has A-L-E-X-A. And he likes to make announcements on his assistant all over the house and get everybody to come because they're going to go for the secret Santa shopping thing, or it's time to karaoke, or time to build a snowman or whatever they're going to do that day. And she has to live in all of this holiday joy with Eli. And Whitney begins to realize that since Eli, since the time of her college, she has closed herself off. And Eli understands maybe before he even comes for Christmas, how important Whitney is in his life and how he really would like to apologize to her and explain to her why he unceremoniously dumped her in college. And suddenly there's mistletoe and karaoke and too much Christmas alcohol cheer. And suddenly these two souls have to decide if they're coming back together because of the magic of Christmas at this cabin or because they have these feelings that have never really been addressed since college. If you're curious to know more about the amazingness that is this book that I gave five stars, I would highly recommend that you read The Plight Before Christmas by Kate Stewart. It was so charming with so much depth and heart and like stomach busting, laughing moments, but also a lot of kind of crying moments that I was kind of horrified because I was sitting with my family and I kept like having tears. Um, <laughs> this was a great Sorry, book. I didn't warn you. <laughs> no, you were mean. Yeah. I wholeheartedly agree. This is one of my, it came out actually in 2021, but um, it just came to audio this year. So if you are someone who enjoys audiobooks, I don't typically prefer the duet 
narration style where um, the female narrator acts out all the female parts and the male acts out all the male parts. But for this book, it was so seamless and so stellar with two really very talented narrators. It really, it elevated this book over five stars for me. Um, Me too. So if you like audio at all, I would say reading this book in audio will only enhance the experience quite a bit. So this book is called All I Want for Christmas is My Sister's Boyfriend. (laughs) Whoa. (laughs) By Brooke Blaine and Ella Frank. And I don't remember how I came across this book. I I think it may have been, um, it is in in the Audible Plus uh, thing. So it's, it's a free one if you have a membership. It's so delightful. And it's quite funny. So Miles is out shopping with his best friend, Holly. And they're at the mall buying Christmas gifts for their families and things like that. And while Miles is buying a gag gift for their friend's Christmas party, um, someone comes from behind and, and knocks into him, pushing him into the display. Whoopsies. Yes. And so <laughs> when he gets up and turns around and looks at who did it, it, it's this really cute guy. Now, something I did not mention, and I'm sorry, this is a MM romance, um, but it, it's very, very good. So he sees this guy and he's like awestruck because he's just gorgeous. And, you know, he, the, the guy apologizes and, you know, they go on about their day and his friend Holly was like, you know, you know, you, you should really start trying to find a boyfriend. You've been looking a lot cuter these days and you just changed (laughs) so much and blah, blah, blah. And he's kind of being a little scroogey, you know, I don't know what you're talking about. Yes, I should just go ask Santa and blah, blah, blah. And so she gets this bright idea that they are going to go sit on Santa's lap in the mall and he is going to ask for a boyfriend <laughs> for Christmas. <laughs> and, um, and Santa, it, it, it gets a little weird here because Santa seems to know them and they haven't even given their names to him. Um, like he knows them by name. He mentions to Miles that he should either get his sister a different gift or keep his eyes on her, um, which Miles finds very weird because he's like, how do you know what I got my sister for Christmas? But whatever. So, you know, Holly asks for a better paying job and Miles asks for a boyfriend. So fast forward They go to their friend's Christmas party and who does he run into but the guy that slammed into him at the store. And things happen and just as... Like like physical things? Like sexy time things? Certain bedroom activities? (laughs) No bedroom activities, but physical, yes. Mistletoe. Mistletoe. 
mistletoe <laughs> and lip locks. That damn mistletoe, <laughs> it gets them in every book. I, I know, know, right? <laughs> but they, they go looking for it. So anyway. Oh. <laughs> so here at the party, he learns this guy's name. So this guy's name is Aiden. Or so he tells Miles. And just as Aiden is asking if he can see him again, Holly comes up and one of her exes is there and she is very insistent that they leave right now because this is an ex that she does not need to be around um, because it was not a good ending. Anyway, fast forward, they are going home to spend Christmas with their families. Holly lives in the same neighborhood, so they're traveling together. And when Miles walks through the door of his parents' house, he finds out that his sister has brought home a boyfriend, which nobody knew ahead of time that she even had a boyfriend. And at this moment, her boyfriend is trying to fix the lights on the Christmas tree because they went out. And so um, this man is under the Christmas tree when <laughs> when Miles walks in and when he comes out from under the Christmas tree getting it fixed who do you think is standing there not Aiden it's Aiden bom, bom. and Miles oh. gets mad so you really have to pick this book up so much more happens um, and I don't want to spoil anything but Sean slash Aiden and Miles definitely have the quirkiest story that I have ever read. And it is so good and, and funny and lovely and heart touching, to be honest, once it all comes out. But if you want a good, a good giggle, um, you must pick up all I want for Christmas is my sister's boyfriend by Brooke <laughs> Blaine and Ella Frank. Well, I'm going to take us into young adult. Ooh. My first book is How to Excavate a Heart mm-hmm. by Jake Maya Arlo. So our main character's name is Shani. And Shani has had a really rough time. She just broke up with her girlfriend and it was kind of a really rough breakup. So she's really feeling down. Um, And it's now Christmas break. So she feels this is a time when she can really kind of try to find herself again and focus on her internship, which is actually with the Smithsonian at the Natural Museum. Um, She has an interest in like fish and like fossilized fish. And she really, really wants to focus on this. And she feels like this is kind of her opportunity. She has no real ties. And so she's just going to throw herself into this internship, which is like for the, it's over the holidays. So her mom drives her to New York um, and they're driving along and they're arguing because that's just what they do. And so they're arguing and all of a sudden Shani is like, mom, there's somebody in the road. Like, stop, stop. And like, they almost hit this girl, but they missed her. And they make it to where Shani is going to be staying for the month. 
Um, she's going to be staying with this delightful old woman who's like 96. <laughs> and she, um, she kind of rents out rooms to different young women who need, like, who just kind of need um, a place to stay that's safe. And it gives her something to look forward to. And she kind of, she calls them all dolls and she like really takes <laughs> care of them. <laughs> and I think she's like the um, friend of Shani's grandma, who I think has passed away at this point. But um, so Shani is setting up there and she's, she's finding it okay. Um, she has her first day at her internship and she meets the um, quirky professor kind of guy that she's going to be working under. He's very kind of antisocial and like he doesn't always know you're talking to him because he's very focused on his fossils because that's really all <laughs> he really wants to do. And he also, she also gets to meet um, his assistant who has kind of decided that she's going to take Shani under her, under her wing and just kind of get her to kind of find her way. So she's doing that. And then one of the girls at the home where she's staying has it asks her if she can do her dog walking job for the weekend. So she sets off and she goes to the house where she's going to be walking the dog. And guess who answers the door? The girl from, girl the, road. from the road? Yes, the girl. The girl who her mother almost ran over. And oh she's gosh. gorgeous. And like Shani is like in fact like just kind of like in awe, and she doesn't know what to do because she's a, she's so nervous and she's so like embarrassed, but at the same time like she can't stop looking at her, and she's so interested. So the girl hands the dog to her and says, "Okay, well have fun," and then closes the door. She's like, okay. So she takes the dog for a walk and has fun doing that and then takes him back. And then she goes back the next day and the girl starts talking to her a little bit, but they have this like witty banter. So she's like, Are you have you run over anybody lately? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and oh like just stuff like that. And it's really funny. It's hilarious. Like their their banter is hilarious. And you can tell that May, so we now learn that her name is May. Um, the girl and she's just got this very complicated relationship with her family and so she's got kind of a chip on her shoulder she wants nothing to do with doesn't want to know the dog doesn't want to know anything just wants like she's very very upset that she has to be even at her father's for the holidays Um, so she does that and then she finally decides that she's going to go for a walk with Shani and the dog so she goes for a walk with Shani and they're just walking along, just kind of chatting a little bit. And as time goes on, the, over like a week period of just kind of walking this dog and stuff, they kind of get to know each other and they start realizing that maybe there's something that could develop. So they start getting together more often and there's a snowstorm on uh, Christmas Eve. So they end oh. up hanging out together for Christmas Eve and they watch movies, and they have lots of fun. And then she kept talking. So um, both of them are Jewish, so they don't celebrate Christmas, but they call it Jew-miss. So what it is, (laughs) is they'll go off and they watch, they go to like a movie theater, 
and they watch a movie on Christmas Day, and then they go off and they have Chinese food for dinner. Like, that's kind of like their kind of Jewish Christmas, I guess. Don't and so she kept talking about this. So they have fun. They did it. As she's kind of going through her internship, internship, she's starting to kind of like, she can't stop thinking about May. But at the same time, like she's supposed to be focusing on her internship and she makes this mistake and she ends up throwing out a whole bunch of little fossils in the garbage. (gasps) Oh, Oh, so so she's like, yeah. So she runs to the thing and like she looks all over and like, where does the garbage go? And she's asking all these people. And thankfully, like she's able to find it. And she's able to kind of recoup her losses and to teach to show them that like she's really sorry like she didn't mean to make this mistake and that she's not gonna do it again so she's trying to do that and then some things happen that get her and may kind of have a little bit of a difficulty to get like kind of a conflict but then they kind of try and work through it but if you want to know if they work through it and if this kind of like interesting way of starting a relationship ends up turning into more then you're gonna have to check out how to excavate a heart by jake maya arlo and can you imagine like the reminiscing like remember that time a relationship started when your mother almost hit me with her car like how romantic is that i know (laughs) So I'm going to shift gears here. You know, Brooke was talking young adult and I'm going to shift gears and talk about an adult film star. How's that sound? It sounds Ooh. great. Ooh. So I discovered a book quite by accident this year. It's called A Merry Little Meet Cute and it's by Julie Murphy and Sierra Simone. And this book was such a surprise and a delight. It's about B. Hobbs. And she is a plus-sized adult film star. And she is living her, you know, adult film star life. And she is having um, relations on camera and, you know, showing her naked body in beautiful, beautiful poses, celebrating who she is as a plus-sized bisexual woman. And she has quite... Um, quite a following on the website where she it's it's sort of like um, Facebook with video except it's all like um, sort of adult um, sort of revealing videos and um, I think it's called closed doors but it could be called open doors and I could be giving the name totally wrong and I forget and I'm sorry but so she's doing this life and then um she is approached by her producer and um, or a director, and he says, "Oh my gosh, please, can you help me out? Like, I am wondering if you would like to star in a holiday movie, which is now, quite different." B, from what yes. Now, B is um, not ashamed of what she does. She's not ashamed of working in the sex industry, of being an adult film star. That. She's not ashamed by that, but ever since she was young, she's always, always wanted to be in a starring role. And she's been told her entire life that as a fat woman, she doesn't ever get to play the leading role. So she's kind of put her dreams of like acting 
in a mainstream role, like kind of to the side and sort of said, okay, but now she has the opportunity to act in a holiday movie. Now, the holiday movie isn't just like on Hallmark. Oh, no. It's on the Hope Channel, which actually <laughs> makes Hallmark kind of look like the porn channel. It's so squeaky clean, like beyond. So B. Hobbs, whose um, name in the adult film industry is Bianca Von Honey. She has to hide that entire identity. Like that cannot be part of, you know, part of this role at all. Like the, the people at the Hope Channel, the Hope Network cannot know that B. Hobbs <laughs> is actually Bianca Von Honey. Okay, she can keep that under wraps. She packs up all of her adult toys because even though she's going to this little inn in a town that is all Christmas all year round, she has to be able to like, you know, entertain herself, but she can like keep everything else under wraps. Now, that is until she realizes that her co-star in this completely ridiculous holiday movie, think about like Hallmark movies on steroids, and that's the movie that she's in. And so he is Nolan Shaw, who was her high school crush, and who used to he's the bad boy in um, a disbanded boy band. And Nolan <laughs> is in this movie to rehab his faltering image because Nolan desperately needs to rehab his image so that he can start getting some parts and he can be on television and he can be known for more than just the thing that he is now known for <laughs> and hated for. Well, there's a little issue here, my friends. Nolan recognizes B. Hobbs as Bianca Von Honey. <laughs> Because oh. he actually oh. loves her videos and watches them every day and has Whoa. fantasies about her. So now oh, these dear. two, right. And, and obviously, you know, he doesn't say anything out loud. But so, you know, they're in this movie, in this squeaky clean movie. And, you know, she's trying to, um, like, actually distinguish herself as an actress. And she's also trying to figure out how to handle being in the same place, squee, as her High school crush who actually in her like late 20s, she's still sort of crushing on. And <laughs> so all these sparks are flying in this ridiculous Christmas town. And the question is, will B and Nolan be able to keep their attraction under wraps until filming is done? And will B be able to carry off being in this movie on the Hope Network without anyone finding out who her alter ego is? This book oh. is spicy. Um, it's it's uh, there are some pretty explicit sexy times in this movie or in this book. Pretty beautiful sexy times, actually. Um, this book really celebrates um, it's it's sex positive, body positive. It just promotes love, whoever you love, and it's just seriously like such a delightful book that kind of reminds me of. Um, I don't know if anyone's seen Love Actually. But there's this whole section where these two um, actors are filming um, a sex scene in a movie and they're trying to talk to each other like, so how was your day? I hear the weather is good. And like, oh, it was a lot of traffic <laughs> coming to work while they're like laying on top of each other. So this kind of reminds me it has vibes from like that, that part of love, actually, to me. But it's just a gorgeous book that's way deeper. It's not just about a girl with all of her um adult toys and things. It, it has so much depth 
all about body positivity and um, just, you know, learning how to love yourself and be proud of who you are. And also just kind of, you know, from Nolan's point of view, figuring out how to get beyond the bad boy persona because he really has some serious reasons in his life to kind of get beyond that reputation that he inadvertently created for himself. This book is delightful. Um, and to find out whether or not Bianca von Honey is discovered um, on the set of this movie, and if love will triumph and flourish, please do try A Merry Little Meat Cute by Julie Murphy and Sierra Simone. I'm going to have to check this out. It sounds really cute. It's delightful. It sounds really funny. It's really delightful. My first pick of the evening is A Wish in Winter by Viola Shipman. And this was my November pick. (laughs) And this was an interesting read since I've never read any of his books before. Um, So we start out with... Susan Norcross who is 40 and is kind of going through a midlife crisis in the fact that she realizes that she was the same age when her mother died Um, Susan lost her mother when she was in the fifth grade her and her father were killed in an accident and on the way to a famous hotel they were Mr. and Mrs. Santa along with their parents like their their in-laws and family and then has to she's kind of lost hope after her parents were killed of not only the magic of Christmas but the magic of love And she owns a bookstore along with her grandparents. And her grandparents are quite famous in the small Michigan town. They dress up as Santa, you know, Mr. and Mrs. Claus. And they take pictures in the bookstore. (laughs) They they go a little beyond because sometimes they dress as the Easter bunny. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) You know, things like that. Yeah. So (laughs) it's a little quirky. So Susan has a best friend named Holly. And Holly is kind of a famous blogger. And Susan also has in her friendship a guy named um, Noah. And Noah works in her bookstore. And Noah is a, is a gay man, but he's a little quirky because he always, he always gives her her safe word of the day. Her safe word of the day. Yeah. And so... This is an interesting avenue that he did not explore, but Susan wonders briefly what kind of childhood he grew up to where you needed a safe word. But she never asked him and we never find out. But that's just one of his weird quirks is he always goes up to her daily and mentions your safe word is um, holiday or whatever um, he's in the mood for. So Susan decides to... um, go on a date with Santa. This is how the book opens. And I I haven't laughed so hard in a long time. So first of all, her friend Holly set her up with this, this man who is Santa. And the theme is you're a single Kringle. Am I, am I going to, you know, be your Santa to your single Kringle? Oh my God. (laughs) 
And so he takes her on a date and she's dressed up to the nines, right? Like she's in heels and a really nice little cocktail dress. And she knows that the date might go wrong when she gets her hair caught in the door and he doesn't even notice when he closes it. And so she has to quickly open it as he's jumping into the other side. And when he sits down, he puts on a Santa hat and she's like, uh, you know what I mean? Like, that's kind of weird. But so when they, they're to driving to where he's going to take her on a date, he pulls up to a version of one of those kid pizza places like Chuck oh, e. Cheese's or Peter oh. Piper Pizza. Oh. And she's horrified. And the person who sits them at their table is like, aren't you a little overdressed? The kids are going to get you dirty. She's in the middle. Their table is in the middle of four parties, you know, one on each side. And when they he orders pizza and he orders the guy to put so much cheese on their pizza that the guy says, hey, man, I've got a cramp in my arm from all the you know, all the pizza. So I've got to stop. (laughs) I was like, I am done with this. Okay. And if that isn't worse, when he go, when this Santa, they never give his name, goes to the bathroom, they call her up to the little mini stage. And in that, that stage, when she's asked to step up, all these electron, these electronic mice start dancing with her oh no I and he no. asked <laughs> i would have died and he asked am i your santa to your single kringle and she's like um i need to get out of here and so the next day after this horrible event she runs a race and meets a guy that she connects with in a santa suit because she's dressed as mrs claus I'm suppose everyone wants to run a 5k with um, a Santa suit, but hey, or a Mrs. Claus suit. Um, and he asked her to meet at a bar, but he never shows up. So Holly and Noah take it into their collective brains to find this mystery Santa. And it takes about a year. And she meets three different men who all say there were the different hope all say that they met her at this race but she has a a little secret thing that her and santa only know the real santa and that folks is if you want to know what happens and if any of these men are you know her santa claus you will have to read A Wish in Winter by Viola Shipman. So my next book, I absolutely cannot attribute to Stacy. I found this one on my own. Fine. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> but it is called The Lights on Knockbridge Lane, Garnet Run, number three, and it's written by Roan Parrish. Now, this is the story of Adam Mills. And Adam has recently come back to the small town of Garnet Run, in um, I think it's Wyoming because he has divorced his husband and brought their daughter 
August, who likes to be called Gus, who is eight years old, back home. And they are struggling. Their life is chaotic and joyful and messy, but it's also a little lonely. Adam is struggling to give Gus her Christmas wish, which is to make their house the most brightly lit house in the world. (laughs) Oh my God. Step over Griswold's. The Mills family is coming for you. And he is struggling with very little money to make this dream a reality, except for enter his neighbor, Wes Mabry. And Wes is what some people on Knockbridge Lane call a vampire. (gasps) Other people call him a werewolf. Other people call him odd. Other people call him reclusive because Wes is very scientific and he does a lot of um, scientific experiments in his home. He has pet lizards, a pet tarantula, pet raccoons. Did I tell you that Adam is literally petrified of tarantulas, but his daughter, (laughs) his daughter, Gus, who's eight is literally obsessed with everything like science and bacteria and bugs. And so she's like absolutely fascinated and obsessed with Wes and Wes begins to get more and more involved with Adam and Adam's daughter, Gus. And Wes begins to help make Gus's dream a reality by helping with the decorating of the brightest lit house on Knockbridge Lane. But then something happens and the family is on the news for their brightly, brightly lit house, which causes Wes to experience some triggers from his past, which I cannot explain without giving away a big part of the book. And he has to decide is his growing, are his growing feelings for Adam and Gus and the family that they are offering to him going to be enough to eclipse the experiences he's had in his past? Or is he going to be always alone? The scientist in his house with paper over the windows. Oh dear. Alone. I know. Alone. If you want to know the answer and if you want a delightful, wonderful, all the feels, but yet deep enough to make you cry Christmas holiday story, I would highly recommend the lights on Knockbridge Lane Garnet Run number three by Roan Parrish, who is an amazing, amazing author. So I am going to take us down a slightly more somber path. I was slightly hesitant to pick this book up, but I'm glad that I did. So this is The Wish by Nicholas Sparks. And... This book is about Maggie Dawes, and this is kind of a dual timeline book, but with the same character, just in a different, like, we see her in her teenage years, and we also see her in the current time. Um, Current time being uh, 2019. And then her teenage years, um, she was 15 turning 16. And she's in her, I want to say mid-30s at this point in 2019. 
So Maggie Dawes is a renowned world traveling photographer when we meet her. Um, and she has also been given a terminal diagnosis. It is around the Christmas holiday and she's coming to terms with this diagnosis. She's also, um, she's a gallery owner in New York. She's also been, you know, still traveling as much as possible for her photography. Um, but now with this terminal diagnosis and her, um, her health declining, she's got a lot to come to terms with. And she's had to hire on an, an extra assistant for the gallery because she can't always make it in every day due to her health. Um, and it's, you know, it's getting close to the holidays and she doesn't she doesn't um, talk to her family a lot. They just don't have the greatest relationship. And so she begins to kind of develop this, you know, friendship. They become close, not romantically by any means, but they become close, um, her, her assistant and her. And on the days that she can make it into the gallery, she does, and he, you know, looks out for her and all of this. And she starts to tell him the story of her teenage years when her family sent her to live with her from Seattle to live with her aunt on Ocracoke Island in North Carolina. And it, that is a real place. Um, and she's really heartbroken by this because Maggie got involved with this guy that didn't even go to her school. He was around for the summer and she became pregnant and her family being devout Catholic, um, you know, didn't want that to get out. And so they sent her to live with her dad's sister, her aunt on Ocracoke until the baby was born. And this kind of shatters Maggie because this is a time she really needs her family and they're sending her away because she, because they're ashamed of her um, and they don't want the gossip to get out and terminating the pregnancy due to their faith is just not an option. So she goes to Ocracoke and she's very sullen. Um, they've worked it out with her school her teachers and everything that her aunt will homeschool her and get her uh, assignments in and all of this. But, you know, Maggie in her own right is just a blah teenager. She's pregnant. She's somewhere she's never been before with an aunt that she's hardly ever seen or spent time with or heard about. Her aunt is doing her best to, you know, give her space, but also keep her on track. And so she, she introduces her to this young man on the island. He's 17. And he has recently been admitted to West Point. But he was homeschooled. And she asks him to, you know, befriend Maggie and maybe help her with her studies. 
And so Maggie and Bryce um, become very close friends. Um, they develop a relationship. He knows that she's pregnant, but and he doesn't blink an eye at that. Like he he just wants to be there for her. Um, he introduces her to photo- to photography, which, you know, impacts her life because she becomes a world-renowned traveling photographer. And so what we see in this book is her becoming closer to her assistant, her young assistant. He's in his mid-20s. And um, she is telling him this story of of that those months in Ocracoke and how it made her feel and the, the relationship between her and Bryce and how she's never been with anyone else since then because just no one added up to Bryce. Um, so we, we see her, when she starts to tell her story is when it goes to, we see her in that time period. And then when she takes a break in the story, it comes back to the current time. And it's so heart touching. There's so much depth in this. Um, And even though she isn't spending the holidays with her family because of everything she's going through, she spends the last days up until Christmas with her young assistant. They go to a play. They go to out to eat. They decorate the Christmas tree at the gallery together. Um, all of these different things and develop such a wonderful friendship. Um, there was a big reveal at the very end of the book that I am not going to spoil, but I am going to say that if you get to that point in the book, if you can get through any part of this book and not shed a tear, then you don't have a heart and you need to go see the wizard immediately. But if you get to the end of this book and you're not blubbering, then I don't want to know you. Um, Because this, this book is just so touching on so many levels. It's very somber. It gets very sad. um, But it is definitely worth the read. It makes you really think about, family over the holidays and think about what really matters in this life. And I am so, so glad that I, that I actually picked this up when I did. So this is The Wish by Nicholas Sparks. And I feel that everybody needs to read it right now. So my next book is Single and Ready to Jingle. Yes, by Piper I can't wait to Rain. hear you talk about this. <laughs> <laughs> so our main character's name is Mackenzie, or Kenzie for short. And she's busy working on starting her party planning company. Um, she's the only staff member at the moment, and she's quite busy, but she's, she's ready to find some love. So she joins a dating service a dating app so her first date um she goes off to this restaurant and she's really busy like at her job so she loses track of time 
And for this job, she dressed up as an elf because it was a, <laughs> a like a rich kid's Christmas party. So she's dressed up like an elf and she had no time to go change. So she decides that it's probably better not to be late. And she'll just go dress like an elf. She's got like As bells. As one does. On, yeah, she has bells oh on her God. shoes. She has <laughs> bells on her skirt. So she goes. I know, so she goes into this like kind of fancy restaurant, and she shows up. She walks up to her table, and like the guy, his name is Andrew. Here's her jingling along, coming towards his table. And he looks up, and there's this woman, like, dressed up like an elf. And he just doesn't know what to say. So they introduce themselves, so that his name is Andrew, and he introduces his name and stuff like that. She introduces hers, and he's, like, kind of thinking to himself, like, hey, that name sounds familiar, but I don't recognize the name, and, like, I definitely have never seen you before. Like, do we know each other? And she's like, no, I don't think so. And she's like, what's your name? And he says, Andrew. And he gives her his last name. And she's like, did you say? And then he gives his last name again. And they find out that he is the best friend of her brother. Oh, dear. Yeah, she's never, um, so she has a very close relationship with her family for, like, different reasons. Like, they have a complicated relationship. So, she knows her brother's best friend's name and that they met in law school, but like she doesn't know him. So like, that's kind of awkward. So they're eating and they're trying to talk a little bit and like, he's kind of like all cocky and kind of rude and she really doesn't like it. So she gets frustrated and she walks out and she goes home And the first call she gets is from her brother. And she's like, oh, my God, did Andrew, like, call and tell on me to my brother? (laughs) But no, no, there was a whole different reason. Her brother wants to know if um, she can come to Thanksgiving dinner. Like, normally the family doesn't really get together for Thanksgiving dinner. But her brother doesn't really ask for much. So she's like, sure, whatever. So one thing I didn't say is that, like, in the book, you kind of get the point of view from each of the characters so like you'll go through from andrew's point of view or you'll go through from kenzie's point of view and then the next day andrew goes back to work and he's at work and he's kind of doing his thing and um his boss calls him into the conference room and his boss is like talking to his like real young like kind of trophy wife and she's talking about this their Christmas party and how she's having a really rough time and she doesn't know what she's gonna do and Andrew is very much like a Scrooge and like this is part of why Kenzie also got frustrated and it's because he's just very down on Christmas and Christmas to her is like her favorite time of year she absolutely loves Christmas Mm -hmm. So it really bothers her that somebody is so scroogey. And then the boss's wife is talking about how she's having trouble finding someone to help plan the party because they're all, everyone keeps canceling on her because they keep saying that she's hard, like high maintenance. So he's like, oh, well, I have a friend who is an <laughs> up and coming um, party planner. Um, I could talk to her for you. 
And she's like, oh, that would be great. Like, is she good at her job? And he's like, oh, she's awesome. And so he calls up Kenzie and he tells her, like, I'm so sorry. I didn't. I'm, I apologize for the other night. Um, can you please, like, can we try again? Maybe we can meet for coffee. So they meet for coffee. And she's like, okay, well, you've said sorry. Like, I don't know what else you want from me. And then he tells her about this party that is being planned at his law firm. And would he please, she please, please do a favor for him. So she's like, okay, well, I'll do it under two conditions. So the first condition is that if, if for any reason she needs help, that he needs to help. So the second one is that he has to go to three different Christmassy events with her because she wants to teach him that there's a little more to Christmas than being grumpy. So he goes, okay, well, whatever, but you're never going to change my mind. So he's having fun, whatever, and things are going well. And he's kind of realizing that Christmas, he can kind of see where she's coming from, but he's still not all big on Christmas. And like, as they get to know each other, they start to realize that there's a connection. And she also starts to learn what his problem with Christmas is which I'm not going to say because that will kind of ruin part of it. While this is happening, like her brother still doesn't know that her, um, that Andrew and her are seeing each other. So that kind of made um, Thanksgiving a little complicated, but it worked out. <laughs> and like throughout it, Andrew is kind of teaching Kenzie that she needs to kind of stick up for herself and not just kind of let things go, that it's okay to say, no, that's not what I want this is what I wanted or no, you're not treating me properly. So I thought I really liked that part of the whole idea, like the whole story is how she kind of is able to find herself a little bit better and also how he's able to kind of get past some of the issues that were holding him back. Um, The sexy times were great. I definitely recommend this book. It's single and ready to jingle. And it's by Piper Rain. So I actually, yes. And I had actually looked this up. Um, It had shown up on Audible right before you said you were going to read it. I'd already added it to my wish list. And so I was so excited when you said you were going to talk about this book for the episode, because I, um, I haven't read anything by Piper Rain, but this book looks like my kind of like holiday perfection. So um, I'm definitely going to be reading this this year. My second book this evening is called The Geek Who Saved Christmas, and it's by Annabeth Elbert. This book is about Gideon Holiday, and Gideon Holiday seriously loves the holiday season. He actually loves um, kind of organizing and doing things um, all year to keep his community together, but his favorite time of the year is the holiday season because he likes when all of the different um, neighbors in this small community in Philadelphia, they all decorate their houses. And he has an idea that, you know, he can, you know, charge people when they drive through who look at the neighborhood if they want to donate and it'll give them more money, like for their community center and other projects. And, you know, he's, he's just, always wants to help everyone and to support everyone. But the one person who he always gets tongue tied around 
is his neighbor. They share a driveway for their townhouses. And his name is Paul Frost. And every year, Paul Frost does not participate in the holiday festivities. His house is dark. He doesn't decorate. He can barely say three words to Gideon, which is really hard for Gideon because Gideon has had a little crush on Paul Frost for the last few years. Oh. This year, everything is going along just as it usually does. And, you know, Paul is not going to participate in the holiday festivities in the neighborhood. Oh, no. Oh, heavens, no. That's just, ugh. If he could, like, barricade himself in his house from early November until after, um, after Christmas is completed, that'd be just fine with him. Until, until Paul finds out that his much younger brother, whom he adores, is coming home for Christmas from college from his, his doctoral program in California. He's coming home for Christmas for the first time in several years. And this puts Paul into a bit of a dither because all his brother wants is like this amazing Christmas because of this big thing that he has planned that he's kind of hoping, you know, Paul can kind of support him while he's doing this thing. And so all of a sudden Paul's like, oh no, I need to decorate my house. I need to be ready for the holiday. What do I do? What do I do? Oh, and then he and Gideon start talking as Gideon helps him get his house ready for his much younger brother's visit. And, you know, while they are, you know, hanging lights and putting up reindeer on the roof and buying, you know, Christmas bedding and, trying to make Christmas cookies from this very specific recipe in a very specific cookbook. The two of them are really struggling to kind of keep their attraction to each other under wraps until they decide to give in to their attraction for each other. And Gideon has decided that this is just going to be like a Christmas fling. Paul's just with him. But the minute that they finish getting Paul's house ready and doing all the projects, actually giving him some nice furniture and doing all these different things, that Paul's going to be done with him because Gideon will no longer be useful. He won't be helping anymore. And so they have an expiration date on this sort of fling that they are having. Whereas Paul is seeing Gideon's you know, exuberance for the holiday and loving all of his color-coded spreadsheets and just finding him adorable in his bow ties. And, you know, Paul has been lonely for a very, very long time. And what he begins to sort of suspect, even though, you know, Gideon's always busy, always active, always doing, that just because, you know, there's, there's different types of, just because he has this certain thing that he projects all the time that Gideon projects, maybe he might be just as lonely as Paul. And this was such a lovely Christmas holiday read about two very lonely people who come together at a time of year that can be triggering for people that can be challenging, um, where you think, you know, the person that's been sharing your driveway for the last several years, but Actually, there's way more to that person than first meets the eye and first impressions aren't always accurate. 
Um, this book has a lot of, you know, the holiday cheer that you would expect from um, a holiday romance. But it always, it also has some deeper elements too that make it just a really lovely, well-rounded read. This was my first book that um, I've, I, I just discovered Annabeth Albert for this book. And this will not be my last read by this author because she had a really lovely, accessible writing style that um, made you feel like you're in this neighborhood with this group of neighbors. She created this, um, there was this app that she talked about all the time called the What's Up Neighbor app. And um, it was, you know, every chapter started out with um, a post on this app from one of the neighbors in the neighborhood. And it was just a really, really delightful book. So I highly recommend The Geek that the geek Who Saved Christmas, and it's by Annabeth Albert. This does sound delightful. My second book of the evening is called Christmas at the Little Knitting Box by Helen Rolfe. This one is, it's Christmas or it's about to be Christmas. And Clea is British and moves to the States to be closer to her grandfather. And she ends up running the shop that her grandmother started, which is a little knitting shop. But there's a catch that... She gets a notice saying that the all the stores will be sold, all the buildings will be sold. And now she doesn't know what to do with the knitting shop. Should she try to find more premises? Should you know she knows she has to tell her grandfather because his name is on the on the lease? Or should she go back to England and do something else? Well, she has a best friend who bullies her into going to a Christmas party or like a, a early Christmas party. And when she goes, she meets a guy named Dylan. Her and Dylan hit it off really well. The problem is Dylan comes with an ex-wife who all of a sudden decides that she wants him back and their two kids. And so the little knitting shop is um, is an interesting take on on family and what brings the holidays together. So Clea has to decide at the same time if she really wants to date Dylan while trying to figure out what to do with her shop. And Dylan's kids worm their way into. Clea's heart, even though she doesn't want children. And so this was a very heartwarming kind of story. And it showed you the difference between Christmas and now. And there are seven books in this um, series. I haven't read all of them. I started the second one. This one is Christmas at the Little Knitting Box by Helen Rolfe. So my final book tonight is a book that I've been looking forward to for a long time because anybody who knows me knows how much I absolutely adore Lissa K. Adams yes. and her most current book, A Very Merry Bromance, absolutely did not disappoint. So this is the story of Colton. Colton is a country music 
sensation. He's been in the business for several years, and he's also part of the Bromance Book Club, which if you don't know what that is, it's a group of men who read romance books to better understand the wants and needs of the women in their lives. Lovely, lovely group of men. They experience all the feelings and every one of the Lissa K. Adams books have different tropes based on a different romance trope. And then the romance, the bromance book club has to figure out what that trope is and they talk about it. And I love it. So this trope is understanding a person's backstory. So Colton has been really struggling in his career. A year ago in December, he went to a friend's wedding and had like one really spicy hot night with Gretchen, who is an attorney who works for people who may be in this country illegally. And she helps them. And so She's also a friend of the wedding party. And so they had this one night and then Gretchen basically kind of like vanishes in the morning. She's kind of like gets up and like walks out. And so Colton hasn't seen her for a year and his, his songwriting is suffering. His career is suffering. He's just not doing well until suddenly, suddenly Gretchen approaches him because she has a very rich family a very rich, horrible family who is horrible to her, who owns a very respected, old-timey whiskey brand in Tennessee. So Tennessee whiskey. And they want Colton. I know that's why I said it. (laughs) And they want Colton to be the face of this whiskey. And he says he'll consider it if Gretchen will go on some dates with him and if he can go to her family gala. And if he, if she, who is a absolute Scrooge bah humbug, starts doing things with him over the holiday, because this is also, besides a backstory trope, a very grumpy sunshine trope, except for Ooh. in this story, because a lot of grumpy sunshines, the heroine is the sunshine. And the hero is the grumpy. In this story, the hero is the sunshine and the heroine is the grumpy. And Gretchen, for the first time, gets to decorate a Christmas tree, gets to look at these Christmas lights, gets to experience the holiday, but not through a staging lens of what does the public have to see in order for this old family name to garner more people to buy their whiskey. And so do we think that Colton's career is going to take a turn for the better again? And do we think that Gretchen can look past all of what her family has done to her in the past and see the beauty right before her, along with a sunshiny, beautiful hero who also loves to read romances? Do you think if you want to know these things that you might want to pick up? A Very Merry Bromance by Lissa K. Adams. Best book. Yes, you will love it. My final book tonight is, I would 
say it, it it's definitely happier than the one I just talked about, but it's also got some very um, heartfelt, deep emotion to it as well. But this is Heart of Hope, Hope Universe by Lucy Score. Yeah. Um, the Hope Universe series looks to me like it's written by a team of authors. Each book is by someone different. Um, they can be read as standalones. Um, and there are no cliffhangers. So, um, which is good because this book is pretty far down the series list. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but I enjoyed it so very much. So Bristol is our main character, one of our main characters, And she is a mom to a young girl. I want to say she's like eight, eight or nine years old. I was thinking she was like somewhere between like seven and nine. I couldn't remember the exact age, but yeah. Somewhere along in there. Um, And her little girl has decided that she wants to play ice hockey. As one does. Yes. Um. Not I, but as others. <laughs> um, so, but Bristol and her family are are also coping with the loss of her younger sister, Hope. And a very important detail to the story is when Hope was a medic, when she passed, they, the doctors asked if they would like to donate her organs and Bristol made that call because it had to be made fairly quickly because things like that have to be done quickly to make sure the organs stay viable. Know, preserved. Yeah, yeah, viable. That's the word I'm looking for. Thank you. Um, so Hope's organs are donated and It's coming up on the holidays and Bristol has been struggling, I think, the most out of her family with Hope's passing and the fact that she, you know, this is going to be their first Thanksgiving and Christmas without Hope and she's just feeling so down. And so she writes a letter to the recipient of Hope's heart asking them if they would join her family for Christmas because it would mean so much to them to feel like a part of hope was was with them but she doesn't know if they'll actually come she doesn't you know they don't respond and all of that so she kind of moves on with her life not really knowing if they'll show up or not in the meantime um, at one of her daughter's hockey games the coach has a heart attack and he's okay, but she's one of the people that helps to revive him until the EMTs can get there. Um, and this big hunky guy comes to help her. Um, she has no idea who he is. He's not a Hope Falls native. Um so she doesn't know exactly where he came from, but here he is. And he's helping her, you know, do CPR on the coach and everything. And once that is done, um, now the team needs a 
volunteer coach or they forfeit the rest of their matches. No one steps up. So who do you think takes on that role? Bristol. She knows absolutely nothing about hockey. Not one cotton picking thing. Not one cotton picking thing. No. <laughs> and <laughs> so Miracle of Miracles, big hunky guy, knows a lot about hockey. And he offers to teach her. And what Bristol doesn't know is that big hunky guy, Bo, knows a lot about hockey because he was once a pro hockey player. But that's under wraps because he's in Hope Falls for big secret reasons. And he's here for Bristol and her family, but he has secrets to to keep right now. And, but he you know, sees a chance to help and Bristol is just this really beautiful woman and he wants to get to know her and all of this other fun stuff. So while he's teaching her about hockey and how to be a coach and helping her coach the team, they become close and start a relationship. And it's a, it's a very complicated situation it's a very heart-touching situation at the same time pun intended I suppose um there's big Christmas Eve gestures that really bring the tears to your eyes um and like I said the the organ doning definitely is a big major detail in this in this series or in this book. Um, I loved this so much. The, the little girl, Bristol's little girl is very precocious. She's adorable, but she thinks that it's time mommy found a boyfriend. And so she does her meddling with Bo. Um, Bristol's ex-husband is remarried and has other kids, but they co-parent. They actually, um, the stepmother and her ex-husband and all that, they, they are actual all friends and all of that. So that's pleasant, but her daughter just thinks that it is time for mommy to find a boyfriend. And she thinks Bo is it. And she tells him so. And I found that to be absolutely (laughs) adorable. Um, So this book is funny. It's um, it's a little sad, but it's also heartwarming. And so I really, really recommend this. If you don't want to read the whole series, like I said, it, it is perfectly fine to pick this book up and not have to read the other books in the series. There is a happy ending. Um, no cliffhanger and all the people in this little town are just great it, it kind of reminds me of Tillicum where everybody knows everybody and everybody <laughs> will tell you about everybody else um, things of that nature so it's, it's a small town um, and it, it's just absolutely delightful so I'm really glad that Stacy recommended this and that Yay. I took her recommendation and picked it up so this is 
Heart of Hope, Hope Falls Universe by Lucy Score. So my last book for tonight is called Whiteout, and it's by a number of authors. It's Danielle Clayton, Nick Stone, Tiffany D. Jackson, Angie Thomas, um, Ashley Woodfolk, and Nicole, Nicola Yoon. This is about a teenager named Stevie. And she has had an argument with her girlfriend, Sola and um, Stevie have been friends since they were in grade six. And kind of more recently, they've developed a relationship. And they thought it was time to kind of tell their families. So Sola invites Stevie to her family's Thanksgiving dinner. And she's ready to tell them that Stevie and her are more than just friends. Um, Stevie is a very smart teenager. Um, She's very into science. So she kind of gets lost in like the scientific world sometimes. So the day of the party, she kind of gets busy in the lab and she forgets the, she forgets what she's doing, loses track of time. So doesn't have time to change. I feel like this is like a, a trend in my books. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> she doesn't have time to change. So she kind of like has, she has her lab clothes on. So right off the bat, like Sola is kind of annoyed. She feels like she's really not taking this seriously and it's really bothering her. But to add to this, Stevie is really, really, really nervous. Um, She's not sure why, but she's really, really nervous. So she goes and takes two of her mom's muscle relaxants, thinking that it will help kind of tone down her anxiety. Well, you can only guess how what has happened there. So things really don't go well. Um, And Sola is really, really, really upset. She feels insulted. She feels like um, Stevie didn't take it seriously. She feels like she's like insulted her family and she's just really, really, really upset. So she threatens to break up with Stevie and says that if you don't give me a great apology by like midnight on this specific day, then we're done. So like Stevie is crushed. Um, She doesn't know how she's going to fix things, but she knows she wants to fix things, but she doesn't know how she's going to do it. So she talks to some friends and she gets, kind of puts together the plan for an epic apology. So she gets her friends, there's like 12 of them, and they all have like a different each like group of two. So there are six different things that each kind of one group of two is responsible for. So for example, two of them have to go to an aquarium and pick up this specific poster that um, 
was the poster that Sola and Stevie had their first kiss in front of. Um, her other friend works at a stadium and it's like a stadium that's near to where Sola lives. And he is able to use, um, what are they called, drones to kind of put together like a light show. So with her friend, I think his name is ER. So like, e, like just the initials ER. Um, he is able to help her put together this like light show. And it has like different messages that she's hoping will get to Sola. So she has friends who are calling Sola and saying like, hey, did you see all the light kind of stuff that's happening outside? And so meanwhile, while all this is happening, it's a big snowstorm. And like the, the traffic is like clogged on the highway. So some of her friends that are trying to get these different pieces done for her are stuck in the highway. And then another of her friends is stuck at the airport because there's another thing where there's a certain thing they had to go to the airport to get. Um, another of her friends is like um, stuck at the mall. So she calls her, um, her friend calls her big sister and sees if maybe she can help her get this done. But then her friend, her friend, her sister gets like stuck on the highway too. So like everyone's like stuck. And while we're doing like, while they're kind of stuck in their places, we're also learning about the relationships that they have and the problems that they have. And we're also seeing them kind of try and like solve these relationships. So I love learning about the different friends of Sola and Stevie, and also learning about the relationships of their own and the problems that they're having and how they're gonna work these out. And kind of like whole, how all of them are gonna come together and hopefully help Stevie win back Sola. So if you wanna know how maybe the holiday season could be nice and merry for Stevie and Sola and how their friends like kind of step up and help them out while also kind of dealing with their own problems, then you should check out Whiteout by Danielle Clayton, Tiffany D. Jackson, Nick Stone, Ashley Woodfolk, Angie Thomas, and Nicola Yoon. I think I got everyone. My final book tonight is by one of my favorite authors in the history of my life, and that is Claire Kingsley. So in my last round of books, I talked about how the geek, the geek who saved Christmas. <laughs> but now I'm going to talk to you about the grump who saved Christmas. And this again is by Claire Kingsley. It is in the Bailey Brothers universe, but can be read as a standalone. When our book starts, we meet Elias Stoneheart. And this name is very apt. He walks into the coffee shop in the lobby of his office building and, oh, it's only early November and it's already all the holiday decor and the holiday drinks and the freaking barista is like dressed like in a headband, like that's all holiday. And like, 
She's trying to recommend to him the holiday coffee instead of his usual bitter black brew. And the holiday music is playing. And he has to go upstairs in his office and go to the early holiday party. And all Elias Stoneheart wants to do is work his butt off because he wants to become the CFO of his company. And he gets up to the party and he's just going to sit in his office and he's bossing around his assistant Alice and he's just like oh he's over it he doesn't smile he is like a classic Grinch but then he kind of overhears something and it makes him think and so he finds out that his rival for this promotion that he wants is trying to um, procure some land that this company needs for um, a project that they want to do for another um, a building they want to build. And so this other guy who is just sort of like just a weak-willed icky man um, who's kind of gross, um, he hasn't been able to get the project done. He hasn't been able to make the sale. And he's been on this for six months. So Elias Stoneheart decides he's going to waltz on in there. He's going to take over the project and he's going to get her done. Well, that is until he finds out the land that the company would like to purchase is the Cook family farm in Tillicum, Washington. <coughs> Excuse me. And Elias Stoneheart, who does kind of have a stone heart, feels a tiny squirm of awkwardness because he is well familiar with the Cook family farm. Because during his teenage years, he spent a lot of time there with Isabel Cook, the daughter of the people who own the farm. And Isabel Cook is the only thing standing between him and the sale of this land and getting his promotion. Well, it's business. It's fine. He's going to go talk Anna Isabel into selling the farm. He can get the whole thing done in an afternoon. Now, Isabel Cook works at the family farm. And this is a farm where they grow Christmas trees and also where they have this thing called Christmas Village. And Christmas Village is sort of iconic in the town of Tillicum. And it's where people come every year. They have different little shops. They have all these different vendors that come in. And it's a very special part of the holiday season for the residents of Tillicum. But the issue that Isabel's having is the farm is not doing well. It's not, it's struggling. It's not, um, you know, it's behind in some payments. And she knows, even though her parents don't want her to worry about it all that much, she knows that if they can't figure things out, Christmas Village, this will be its last season on the farm for it to be open. And she also knows that, you know, there is real concern that they could lose the farm and that her parents who opened this farm as their dream years and years ago, they might lose their dream. They might not be able to keep the farm. Well, Isabel is not going to let that happen. She's going to figure out how to keep the farm both going and how to keep Christmas Village from being torn down. Enter in Elias Stoneheart. Well, they have some pretty complicated history from their time as teenagers. And, you know, 
Elias is quite shocked by Isabel's complete disregard for his great idea for selling the farm and the money that he's (laughs) going to get her. And she tries to explain to him, it's not about the money. It's about the traditions and the memories and the iconic nature of Christmas Village. And he's like, screw Christmas Village. Like, this is about me (sighs) becoming, you know, this is about my advancement. And, you know, your farm's failing. So you might as well let me, you know, sell it. You might as well, you might as well sell it to me. I'll give you a fair asking price for it or fair price for it. And you can just go on on your way. And the residents of Tillicum will be just fine without Christmas Village. Well, obviously we all know that because this is a holiday romance, well, because it's a romance in general, a lot of things have to happen to Elias Stoneheart. And he has to learn a lot of things about himself, about his family, about people who care about him. And he really has to delve into his past and the reasons that the holiday season evoke such strong feelings of hatred and just sort of just disgust and, you know, lack of care. And Isabel, you know, despite her best efforts, she can still see glimpses of the boy that she befriended at her Christmas tree farm when he was 11. And even though the man is so pushy and so arrogant and irritating, she can still see the boy that she gave her heart to so many years ago. There has to be healing and there has to be Oh, just a lot of beautiful moments and angst and sort of family moments before we find out, will Christmas Village be saved? Will Isabel and Elias be able to rekindle their love? Does Elias truly have a stone heart that his last name leads you to believe? This book is everything. It's all the fluffity, woofity, sappity, wappity that just makes me want to twirl and dance during this time of year. But it also (laughs) explores some deeper themes and sort of deeper reasons why for some people, the holiday season might be very challenging. Um, It's a lovely, lovely book. It just came out last week and it's called The Grump Who Saved Christmas. And again, it's by Claire Kingsley. I definitely want to read this. My last book of the evening is a book called Christmas for Beginners by Carol Matthews. And this is about a woman named Molly. And Molly owns a struggling, uh, a struggling like ranch type of thing for animals and as a side hustle, she also helps teenagers who have, um, you know, troublesome home lives. And the children help out with walking the animals. And they have like alpacas and turkeys and, you know, goats and other things. And Molly is dating an actress, an actor named Shelby. And Shelby has a son named Lucas. Well, Shelby's always on film sets all over London. And so Lucas comes to live with Molly in her RV. And 
she's not really comfortable in Shelby's big mansion that's not too far. And Shelby foots most of the feed for the animals, the electricity, and other things in exchange for, you know, them being in a relationship and for Lucas living there. Um, Molly's assistant just gets the bright idea to host a come visit the farm for the town and buy hot chocolates, the things that the kids have made, apple cider and other, you know, other crafts that the kids have made and come pet the animals and donate. And meanwhile, Shelby decides to take this huge acting job and not tell anybody. And back on the farm where Molly is, Molly meets the local mayor of the village and he comes out to help on the farm. Now, normally I'm not one for whole like um, triangle type of of love stories or even relationships but this is really about Molly figuring out who she wants to be with and it shows you Christmas um, and what even though she has a ragtag of teenagers that some come one day a week some come three days a week how they can all pull together and make Christmas you know, what the true meaning of Christmas and family are. This is Christmas for Beginners by Carol Matthews. All right, everyone. Thus concludeth this year's holiday episode. I would like to thank Sarah and Kristen and Brooke and Georgina for joining me to talk about all of the books that are a little sappity-wappity and delightful for the holiday season. And I would like to thank Shannon for allowing me to do this episode once again. And always, always, we must thank Christine for masterfully editing out all of the bloopers and side conversations that we get up to sometimes here at Book Bistro. And thank you to all of you for listening every week. And Shannon will be back with you, her, her normal voice and more smooth delivery next week for more bookish greatness. If you would like to leave us a rating or a review, you can do that on Apple Podcasts or any other platform that you use to access the show. Not only does it tell us what you think, but it also helps other people find us when they're looking for book-related podcasts. Um, It kind of advances us in the Google algorithm. So I will be back next Tuesday morning with an author interview and, of course, the guide to new releases. And some number of us will be back on Friday with more bookish greatness. Take care, everybody.